great and growing spirit-filled church is to welcome new members into her company. One of the sadnesses is to bid farewell to those who are going on to new lands of activity as they follow their God in faith. And this week, the Jones Aiken family are leaving our community to a new place, a new frontier in the state of Illinois. On behalf of the entire congregation, we thank this family for all that they have meant to this church in the last nearly ten years. Jim has served in the Board of Deacons and been an elder. Mary Beth has been in the choir, one of our church school teachers. David, Doug, and Bethy have all been a vital part of this program. And on your behalf and as their friend, we wish you God well. First letter of John, first chapter, fifth verse. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus, his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen. During the anxious days of the Civil War, President Lincoln was confronted by a delegation who came to impress upon him the seriousness of the moment and to tell him frankly that they did not think much of him or his administration. The President of our nation at that time listened patiently, and then he responded with the story concerning a friend of his, a farmer friend back in Illinois. He said that this man one day was coming home from town and he was leading his team of horses and he stopped by at a Methodist revival meeting and he got religion. He was so excited in his newfound faith that it detained him from continuing on his way and he did not continue his trip until nighttime had come. And with night came also a heavy rain. And it was so dark and the clouds were so big and black that this man soon realized he could not find his way through the darkness. 
It was only as there would appear lightning in the sky would he find enough illumination for the road ahead. But the man was frustrated. He could only move when lightning appeared for him to find his way. And it seemed to that man that there was more thunder in that storm than there was lightning. And as he halted and stopped and waited for another flash, he found himself becoming more worried and more concerned. And finally in his frustration he cried out in prayer, O Lord, O Lord, if it's the same with you, please, a little less noise and a little more light. A little less noise, a little more light. There are a lot of people who are asking the Lord for more light these days. Personal problems, president's predicament, all sorts of plights. As many of us to cry out for light. Because we claim we can't see where we are going, or we wondered at this God who is light and is the God of providence, really knows what he is doing when he is sending us to different places and to do different things, or whether or not we are receiving the light correctly from God. Also when the storms rage, rage, and when the winds blow and the rains pelt, that's the time, you see, when we long most for the light. And as Christians, I think that is the time when we should remind ourselves how God does flash his light to us. We're so anxious for more light, but I think we need to be reminded from time to time how God does send his light. He sends it through his word, the Holy Scriptures. I'm sure there are many who today could give a testimony to how in some dark moment, perhaps it was before a tremendous temptation, or standing almost with collapse on the edge of disappointment and grief, that suddenly there flashed light from heaven. The word of Scripture which sustained and allowed them to know that the Lord is our strength and our salvation, in whom we shall have no fear. Maybe it's when you read it, and maybe that it's even when it comes from your memory. A verse of scripture has been like a flash of light out of the dark. And you knew, though you couldn't explain it, that this was God giving you light. The psalmist, you know, says that this word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I don't think he means necessarily that this is a daily road map which shows us every turn in the road. And I know he does not mean that the Bible is to be treated as a horoscope or as a magic lantern or a crystal ball. But rather here, God gives to us the light of eternal principles from which he expects us to draw the meaning of life. From his word, we get flashes of light or inspiration and illumination.
throughout our pilgrimage. I think God also sends light, flashes of it, to people. Jesus Christ, you know, is not only the Son of God, but he's also the Son of Man, which is another way of saying he's a human being. You know what he said? He said, I am the light. And in my that come after me walketh not in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus came to bring us light, and in that light is the light of men. Jesus came to give us light as to how to live. But Jesus said not only was he the light of the world, but he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I know that God sends light through people, because some of you who are right here in front of me this morning have been beacons of light to my life. You've let the light shine. And I've been able to glorify our Father in heaven because of it. Thank God for you. But you see, God also sends light, not only through those who are trying to be little beams of light and those who know that they're not to hide their talent under a bushel, but he sometimes sends it through people who do not realize that they are bearers of God's light. Remember Rahab? You don't talk about her in polite company, but God used that prostitute, that harlot, <laughs> to help guide the men of Jacob's army to seize the city of Jericho. And then they want the church to a teacher coming and being quite critical of the fact that Rahab was a topic of a lesson in our church school. And I had to explain to her in all love and kindness as best as I could, I'm sorry. I don't pick the people through whom God sends his light. God does. And we in the church must never forget that sometimes those outside the church are the ones who are bearing the light of God. Sometimes people, when they definitely do not want to be associated with anything connected with the gospel, they are the ones through whom God shines his light. There are many ministers, men and women, in pulpits throughout this whole world this very day who are preaching with power because some of us are a little bit of light God's light through a personality, the power and the preaching of a man by the name of Charles Templeton. He was a man who had a tremendous influence on my class in seminary. You don't hear anything about the Reverend Charles Templeton anymore, because a few years ago he demitted the ministry. He's now broadcasting up in Canada. He is reported to have said that he no longer believes anything he ever said, and once more he is sorry that he ever said it. 
our hero had feet of clay. And some of us took that shock very personally. But ladies and gentlemen, the power is that even though he refutes it, the Spirit and the light of God shone through his life. And this morning, throughout the whole world, there are classmates of mine proclaiming the gospel because of light that came through that man's life who wishes that he had never heard the sound of the gospel. That's where light comes, through people. And you get flashes of light, believe it or not, in church. <laughs> Not through the preaching, but through the program, yes, even through the pronouncements of the church. It may seem hard for some of you to believe, but it's nevertheless true. God did not choose us for nothing. He chose us as a church to be his body. And though the church is full of human beings who make mistakes, he nevertheless has chosen to shine his light through his body, the church. And there are some people in this church have got a glimpse of God, or of God's message, or of God's guide, through his preaching program, and yes, even through some of its pronouncements, which are rather hard to take at times. God sends his light also through the machinery of the human mind. Leslie Weather Hitt tells about a man who said, you know, I had a horrible problem. It was terrible. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and no answer came. And finally I ran out of time, so I used my common sense. And it all worked out all right. <laughs> well, it's very difficult for some people to believe that God works through the mind. We somehow get the impression that if God is going to intervene, he has to from the outside in in some spectacular, dynamic way. We never realize he can work from the inside out. God respects your reasoning powers. God who created your mind, in which perhaps if you want to use an exegesis on the first of Genesis, this is probably what makes us like God, the minds that he gave to us. He created them. He works through them. He uses them. He respects the machinery of your mind. And don't be too surprised if God decides to answer your prayer through your mind and not through some other medium. I can go on and go on and go on. There, there are so many vehicles that God uses, so many channels through whom he sends flashes of his light. Meditation. The Quakers are great, great for this, you know, that they think that God can speak when man is silent. And when God is given an opportunity to speak through contemplation and meditation. They think he can speak not only through the ears of the head, but through the inner ears of the spirit. And what do they call this? The inner light. Inner light. 
God speaks to us in prayer if we are willing to remember that listening is at least half of prayer and is as important as speaking in prayer. But there's one other channel that God uses, which I think sometimes we overlook, forget about. It's so hard to illustrate and describe. I call it, for the lack of a better term, the instinct of guidance. God uses the instinct of guidance that I believe he has placed within you and me to shed light. This is very difficult to explain. I'm very grateful to the late Dr. J. Wallace Hamilton, beloved pastor of the St. Pasadena, or the Pasadena Church in St. Petersburg, Florida, for this illustration about a cat. <laughs> a cat standing on the curb of the intersection of Broadway and 32nd Street in New York City, perhaps the busiest intersection in the world. People are standing on the four curbs waiting for the signal of the patrolman so that they would have clearing to cross the streets. Up to the curb came a cat, and in her mouth cat style she was carrying by the back of the neck a little baby kitten. She wanted to cross the street. She was confused. The traffic, the taxis, the trucks. The noise was too great. She made one venture, then a retreat. She tried to dart out a second time, but returned very quickly. Suddenly the policeman standing in the middle of the street saw the cat, but he didn't know which way she wanted to go. So the big Irish patrolman put up his hand in four different directions, stopping all traffic. Now, the cat did not see the policeman, let alone the upraised hand. And you know the upraised hand of a policeman is not necessarily a request. It's a command, and all of the authority of the laws of New York City were behind that upraised hand. The cat didn't see it. And traffic stopped still in all four directions. The little cat saw light appearing and opening and darted across the street with her baby in her mouth. Never the least bit conscious of the policeman, the hand, and that she was the special care of many, many persons. That is the instinct of guidance. So many times we get through the traffic we see a little light, a little opening, a new door opens. We're not conscious of the hand which can move not only heaven but earth. We're not even conscious sometimes of God or the fact that we are a special object. We see the light. And by God's grace we have the instinct to follow that light. Of God comes so many different ways in giving us life. You know, the more you begin to think on how God is sending light to you and to this nation, you begin to realize we have more light than we think we have. Our problem is not knowing how God can send more light 
that how we can be obedient to the light that he has already sent. That's the question of the moment. How are you going to be obedient and mind that light? Clarence Edward McCarthy tells a story about the Quaker who was going to bed one night when suddenly he had the feeling that he was to go to a meeting house 40 miles away. The message was, you go, and, and when you get there, I will give you the message to speak. Mom didn't want to, but he got into his riding clothes. He hitched his horse, or saddled his horse. He rode all night, and he got to the meeting house the next morning, just as the friends were entering. They sat for a half hour in silence. Finally, the man stood up and said, I, I really don't understand what is going on. Last night, I felt I had the message to come here, and when I came, I would have a message to speak to you, but I'm sorry, I don't have anything to say. And he sat there. Another half hour came, and the elders then stood, shook hands, greeted everyone, and, and one, one of the friends came up and said, I think you did bring us a message today. It is simply this. Mind the light. We do know through the different methods that God has given what we are to do. He's given us the light. Our problem is do we have enough courage to mind that light and to follow? We know when we're not in fellowship with God. We know when we're walking in darkness. We know when we're not in fellowship with each other. We know when we lie. We know when we're making rationalizations for excuses. We know it. God sheds light. Our problem is do we have enough courage to follow the light? See, just like that flashlight you have in your home. If you don't know where it is, when the darkness comes, it's not going to be any help. But even if you know where it is, if it's not ready and equipped, and if you don't know how to use it, you're not going to find light, but only darkness. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, While you have the light, believe in the light, and you will be sons of light. This church, your home, our nation, needs sons of light. Amen. Our Father, lead kindly light throughout all the encircling gloom. Lead us. We don't ask for any far distant light, but only the courage to follow the light we do see. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you, with your homes, with this church, and with America. This day, this week, and forevermore. Amen.